Section 7 of Harper's Young People, Volume 1, Issue 16, February 17, 1880. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Josh Kibbe. Harper's Young People, Volume 1, Issue 16, February 17, 1880. Section 7. The First Valentine. Ah, Jamie, don't you understand the little heart that's in my hand? The plain white heart with rosy band. Can you not read the simple sign? It is your first sweet valentine. Come here and take it from me, dear. It will not hurt, you need not fear. You'll see, if you will come more near, it only bears one little line. To Jamie, my first valentine. Then Cupid, laughing, said, Ah, me, how calm this baby bow can be! But wait a while, and we shall see What toys with gold and jewels fine He'll send to some sweet valentine. Just leave your heart, Miss Leonore, He'll take it soon and long for more. The little lad is only four. Some day a hero bold and fine He'll send full many a valentine. The King's Baby By the author of The Catskill Fairies the baby was put to bed as usual, in his wooden cradle, and his mother had rocked him to sleep, singing some national cradle song like the mothers of all lands. He was a stout little fellow of five months old, with dimples in his brown cheeks, curly dark hair as soft as silk, and great black eyes, such as the children of Spain and Italy alone possess. When the baby was asleep, his parents busied themselves with their duties of the evening, and at an early hour also went to bed. Their home was located in the province of Murcia, in Spain. The house was built of stone, half in ruins, and was surrounded by a poor little farm. Before going to bed, the father had looked out of the door to see that all was safe for the night. Spain is a country where little rain falls, because armies long ago destroyed the forests covering mountain slopes in time of war. Now the traveler sees these hills as bare rocks, with deserted towns on their sides, and the beds of rivers become heaps of dry stones for the majority of the year, parched with summer drought. In the city of Alicante, two years sometimes pass without a drop of rain falling. The season of the year, 1879, was very different. In the late summer and autumn, fearful storms of thunder and lightning burst over several provinces usually so dusty and arid. Persistent rains followed until the channels of the rivers became filled with rushing torrents from the heights where springs have their source. The waters of the Guadalquivir rose five meters in a few days. The baby's father looked out of the door on a valley flooded by one of these swollen rivers, which had overflowed its banks, and felt safe, as his home was perched on a slope, and the village with its church, convent, and steep streets of old houses was between the farm and the stream. Then he had gone to rest, and sleep soon settled on the household. The night was dark, and no sound was to be heard except the drip of the rain or the rustling murmur of the distant river. At two o'clock in the morning the church bell pealed wildly. Quick! Danger is at hand, good people! Save yourselves! The bell seemed to say, and its vibrating note rang out on the awful darkness, chilling all hearts with sudden fear. Stupid with sleep, the baby's father rose. Water was trickling along the floor of the chamber. Outside was the deep sound of roaring waves the crashing of trees, and the fall of buildings mingled with the clang of the bell and the cries of human beings. Nothing could be more terrible. An embankment had given way, and the river, which already had spread over the lowlands, 
now deluged the village, sweeping away many houses and surrounding the poor little farm, where the baby slumbered peacefully in his cradle. Already the cottage swayed and shook on its foundations. The mother awoke and wept. She had no time to snatch the baby in her arms, for the father opened the door and lifted the cradle near it. He returned for his wife, and just then a wave entered the door and washed the baby away. It was not a moment too soon. There was a snapping, grinding sound, and the house fell apart and slid into the dark waters as if it had been a house of cards. The whole country was like a sea, and the church bell no longer rang because the bell-ringer strove to save himself from being drowned. The little waif, cast to the mercy of the wind and the flood, did not sink. God watched over it. The wooden cradle became a tiny boat. The baby waked up, stretched out his little hands, and cried. Then, in the midst of frightful peril, fell asleep again, rocked by the motion of the stream. At length the day broke, a cold gray mist seeming to blot out everything except the sheet of water, which was of a muddy and yellow color, and rolled along with giddy swiftness, gathering everything in its course. In some places the trees had their roots under water, and their branches, still dry, gave shelter to whole families. These cried out, Oh, look at the little baby, who will save it? But the cradle sailed on, while the trees often bent beneath the wave. The boiling eddies of the current swallowed many objects, and caught the cradle, and spun it about in circles as if it had been a walnut shell, until the baby cried with fear. But then a friendly wave was sure to rescue it, and once more bear it onward. Ah, at last, the poor baby must be drowned. A great tree had fallen into the river, with all its tangled roots high in the air, and the stream snapped off the smaller twigs and branches as it moved along. Every moment it struck some floating object with its gnarled roots and forest of branches. Occasionally the shock was so great that the trunk rolled from side to side, but the object always sank, whether broken boat or dead animal, while the tree floated on. The baby's cradle was alone on the waste of waters. The tree approached, slowly and surely. The cradle tossed up and down, and then the forked branches caught and held it firmly just above the waterline. The tree became a raft. The young King Alfonso of Spain stood on the shore, near a town, surrounded by officers in brilliant uniforms. Large boats full of his guards had ventured out from the shore to try to save objects swept down from the country. They saw a tree with the cradle caught in the branches. Was the cradle empty? No, a little black head could be distinguished inside. Bravely the boat approached. The tree swerved about and struck it so rudely that it nearly upset. But at that moment the soldier in the bow leaned over and caught the baby by his little gown. Away whirled the tree on the swift tide, and the cradle, detached by the shock, drifted apart overturned. How the people ran about and talked! How the women cried, and caressed the little stranger thus safely brought to shore! The king saw it all, and approached. "'He shall be my child, and I will adopt him,' he said. "'May he grow up to serve you, sire,' said one of the counsellors, who wore a glittering star on his breast. Then the king's baby, saved in a little wooden cradle from the perils of the night, crowed and smiled. George Washington He was black as the ace of spades, you see, and scarcely as high as a tall man's knee. He wore a hat that was minus a brim, but that, of course, mattered nothing to him. His jacket, or what there was left of it, scorned his little black shoulders to fit. And as for stockings and shoes, dear me, nothing about such things knew he. 
He sat on the curbstone one pleasant day, placidly passing the hours away. His hands in the holes, which for pockets were meant, his thoughts on the clouds overhead were intent. When down the street suddenly, marching along, came soldiers and horses in such a great throng, of boys and of men, as they crowded the street, with a hip-hip-hurrah, and the lad sprang to his feet. And joined the procession, his face in a grin, for here was a good time that dis chilly is in. How he stretched out his legs to the beat of the drum, thinking surely at last twas the jubilee come. Then suddenly wondering what twas about, the soldiers, the music, and all, with a shout, he hailed a small comrade, Hi, Caesar, you know what all dis processions a marchin' for so? Go long, you George Washington, Caesar replied, in dis year great country you ain't got no pride. Dis is Washington's birthday, you ought to know dat, would your head growed so big burst a brim off your hat. For a moment George Washington stood in surprise, while plainer to view grew the whites of his eyes. Then swift to the front of the rank scampered he, this mite of a chap hardly high as your knee. The soldiers looked stern, and an officer said, as he rapped with his sword on the black woolly head, Come, boy, clear the road, what a figure you are, came the ready reply, as George Washington saw. But I did know nothing about my birthday, till a feller just told me, oh, golly, it's gay. Just then a policeman, of course it was mean, removed young George Washington far from the scene. End of section 7